0: All right, Father, thank you for your word. Oh, I'm so excited. Lord, just temper my enthusiasm, unless you don't want to, <laughs> but I am so excited for us to see the glorious ministry of the new covenant. Lord, may we see today what you have done. It is marvelous in our eyes, and I believe, Lord, in your eyes, so much so angels long to look into what you have done with us, and we're so so grateful. So Holy Spirit, teach us. Lord, just use me. Uh, may it come with great sanity and clarity in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue... On the centrality of Jesus, as we're making Him Lord of our lives, we've been in a prayerful and careful refining here at Grace Church here in 2021, a prayerful and careful refining. And the Lord said, I want to bring everything back to me. Everything that can be shaken in the world is being shaken or will be shaken. So my people need to be connected to me, anchored to me, because He doesn't change. Amen? Same today, yesterday, and forever. And so he's brought us back to him and we've pretty much told him, Lord, just go throughout the church and take a match to anything that we tried to build that wasn't you. We want everything to be centered on you, even when we talk about discipleship and we talk about uh, hurrying, delays the things of God. There's a reason we've spent four or five weeks talking about abiding and just living connected because he is the prize. He is everything. I never want to per- pursue the benefits of Jesus more than I pursue Jesus and just being in love with him. He is everything. Christ is Christianity. He really is. So whatever it is that we do or we talk about, we want it to be centered on Him, laying Him as the foundation of everything. We've been talking about the works of Jesus, and uh, this is what we covered so far, reintroduce God's kingdom to us. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Another work, He came to initiate the new covenant. He came not to judge, but for judgment on spiritual blindness, and then to make disciples. Now next week is Father's Day, and it just worked out perfectly. The sixth assignment of Jesus is to reveal to you and to me who our Heavenly Father really is. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen your Father. So Him revealing who God really is, His nature to save and not destroy. That is what we will see next week as Father's Day. But we've been talking about He came to make disciples. And so we've walked through, how do we define a disciple at Grace Church? Someone who abides in Him, walks in His ways, and works His works. I like kind of Gavin's take on it. It was real good. Uh, I like kind of fancy language like that, ear-catching language. But uh, when we come to Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, His initial first work is to make you a knower of Jesus. And then a shower of Jesus and a sower of Jesus. And so if we're going to make Him known, then we, we need to know Him. First and foremost, we need to know Him. So we're not passing on a program or we're not passing on some, uh, great idea we came up with. We want to, we want to partner with Him to see His life reproduced in others. So that's what we've been talking about, uh, and defining a disciple as abide ways and works. But then you heard me talk last week that we want you to be seasoned to maturity not just in abiding in Him ways and works, but in the values that He's given us of Grace Church. Kind of what our assignment, what our our mission is here. And I talked about that last week. Maybe you could call them our assignment values. So if Josh and Letty, you know, in five years, the Lord's already talking to them about heading to Mexico, let's say, for example, to do some mission work or maybe move the family there to do a great work for him. What we would want... For them, before they're sent out, we would want them to be fluent, you know, in these. They're abiding in the Lord. They're connected to Him, walking His ways, which is becoming like Him, work, able to work His works, partner with Him, but also seasoned to maturity in things like a new covenant lens and economy. In other words, they don't go to Mexico relating to God by performance. They go to Mexico relating to God through a new covenant lens. That, hey, he's going with us, he's in us, he's with us. We're not gonna go do something for him. We're going together. This is not, we don't wanna to go to Mexico and do something for God. We want them to go, uh, on assignment doing it with him. And that's that new covenant lens. And then also that their identity is in Christ. So that if they get there and people there start, uh, the enemy or whoever persecuting them, running them down, running the ministry down, whatever. They know that their identity and value is in Christ. It's not in what people say about them. So we want them to be seasoned to maturity that their identity is in Christ and that they're living connected to Him each and every day. And then what else? That they can put God on display. We don't want anybody being sent out and putting a a ministry on display or a program on display that they can put Him on display because He lives in them and through them. And then they can also make disciples when they get there. What does that mean? They can help other people get connected to the vine, connected to Jesus, become more and more like Jesus, and then partner in intimacy with Jesus. So that's kind of how we've been describing that. In this last segment, we're talking about working the works of the Lord. It's a partnership. Again, I'll say it, we're not doing this for Him. Uh, we're not doing it apart from Him. We're doing it with Him. Why? Because you and Jesus are roommates. <laughs> you moved in together in your body. He is in there. You know, when uh, Martha in Luke 10, we talked about the last two weeks, Martha was serving, but she was doing all that for Him, not out of intimacy with Him. Not out of her love relationship and security with him. So the Lord gave me several scriptures. You know I love Bible drill. So I'm going to give them to you really quickly. But he gave me several scriptures this week. So you can grasp that the living God is at work in you. Okay, this is not us working the works of God apart from him. He's at work in you. So you can partner with him. Here they are. Philippians 2.13. These are all New Living Translation. For God is working where? Where? in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Colossians 1:27 for God wanted them to know the saints that is that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. This is the mystery we want you to know. Christ lives in you. That is the mystery of the glorious gospel. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory, his manifest presence. How about um, his perspective, his view and opinion? That's all wrapped up in the glory of the Lord. Verse 28, so we tell others about Christ, or New King James says, we preach Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect, that's mature, in their relationship with Christ. Okay, so he wants us to understand Christ lives on the inside of us. He's what we're preaching. He is what we're offering. And then verse uh, 29, that's why I work and struggle so hard. But look what he says, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. So the only effort we have is to stay at rest relying on the power of Christ, not by human might, human power, but by, by His Spirit says the Lord. And I think that's Zechariah four six. Look at Ephesians three twenty. Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever ask or think. Why did he give me all these scriptures? And no I'm not done yet, but why did he give these two? He wants us to see we are reliant upon him it, when we're partnering with Him to work the works of God or preach the gospel or whatever, we need to be yielding to His mighty work within us. We aren't doing anything for Him. We're doing it in partnership with Him. Look at this next one. 2 Corinthians 4.7 We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. You ever heard? We have the treasure in earthen vessels. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, sorry, this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not ourselves. So there is power, but God is the source. God is the one getting the glory. Look at this one, 1 Corinthians 4, 7, for what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? New King James says, what do you have that you didn't receive? In other words, you didn't work for it and deserve it and earn it. You just received it. And if everything you have is from God, why would you boast and brag and live as though it weren't a gift? Like you're all that in a bag of chips without God. The only thing you the stuff you see, even if you say, I got this incredible revelation, Roger, I mean you would believe it. It's a mind blowing revelation. If you utilize that to puff yourself up, you need to go back and read that. The only reason you can see it is you received it. By His grace, by His goodness, you see what you see. Why are, we, why are we seeing these passages? So we'll stay humble. So we'll stay dependent. When we're partnering with Him to work the works of God, we will stay what? Derivative. We'll continue to derive life from Him. I think I might have one more. Let me see. Yep, 1 Corinthians fifteen ten. Paul says, but whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out a special favor on me, but it's not without results. So in the New King James, he says, I am who I am by the grace of God. I am by who I am because of what he's done. Who are we? What are we? How about righteous? Holy? Yes. Forgiven? Accepted in the beloved? Loved unconditionally? Did we earn and merit all of that? No, we are who we are by the grace of God. I'm so glad we sang that song today. I am who God says I am. But I love what he says because that right there is saving grace. Everybody say saving grace. There's different types of grace in the New Testament, and this is saving grace. So as a born-again child of God, righteous, holy, forgiven, loved, all those things, nothing can separate you from him. You are who you are by the grace of God. That's saving grace and your new creation identity. But look at the second part. It says, It wasn't without results. My salvation is not without fruit or evidence. For I've worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I working, but God who was working through me by His grace. I labored more abundantly than they all, yet it wasn't me working. It was God who was working Through me by His grace. So see, He doesn't need your ability. He's not asking you for your ability. He needs your availability and your willingness to keep all the veils down between you and your husband so you continue to, to look gloriously into His face. Be loved by Him and then transformed into His very own likeness. That is the key. How many times in scripture did God ever call somebody to partner with Him and then He's like, hey, by the way, what do you got? What do you bring into this deal? Because, you know, I really need your skill set here. <laughs> he was picking people who had no skill set. Why? Because he loves to confound uh, the wise by utilizing the foolish things. Those who appear strong in the natural, he doesn't utilize them. He wants to use the weak. So what? So people will know what's happening is from him and his inner work not from that person's ability apart from Him. Amen, somebody. That is so good. So this, all these passages, such is the life of a branch. Derivative, dependent, humble. Branches do not go around saying, I am really something. (laughs) I tell you, look at all this fruit, guys. Look at all this ministry I'm producing. Branches do not say that lest the vine dresser come along and say, what do you have that you did not receive? I'm supplying all this. The fruit comes from me. It just comes through you. Amen. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God. I love that. Stay humble, stay receiving, stay deriving as branches. I'm going to say it again. He doesn't need your ability. He needs your availability. So let's talk about the works of God. John 14, 12. This passage has confused a lot of people. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, He who believes in me... Pretty simple, right? He who believes in me... He didn't say whoever lives perfect and never does anything wrong. He just said whoever believes in me, the works that I do... He will do also. Can I get a witness? Jesus did some pretty amazing stuff. But look what he says here. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. What dimension does the Father reside in? His throne is in the heavens. It's in the Spirit. Jesus is departing physically. He's preparing them. But he says, I'm going to the realm of the Spirit. And this is good news because when I get to where the Father is, we're going to send you somebody. Who are they going to send you? The Holy Spirit is going to come. Now, when we look at the greater work, if you eat this word in this passage, greater works here has the connotation of numerical impact. Okay? Simply by, once Jesus goes to the cross and dies and the Spirit comes to us, we're going to have more than just one Son of God. Based on the principle of like begets like, right? If you sow an apple seed, what are you going to get? Apples. So what if God sows a son? He's going to get spirit-born sons and daughters. God is spirit. So his offspring are spirit. He sows his sons so he might reap a harvest of sons and daughters. So there's a numerical connotation of the greater work is simple multiplication. Okay? Multiplication of his life, not just in Jesus of Nazareth's earth suit. I mean, I'll say it this way. If he anoints with the Holy Spirit and power the first body of Christ, he will absolutely anoint the current body of Christ. Okay. Like begets like. It also has the connotation, though, of geographic impact. Jesus limited himself to Israel. God's Son in Israel doing the works of God, uh, dealing the devil, damaging blows, destroying the works of the devil. Look how many sons and daughters we have now throughout the planet. But what's, what's the power in this? The same Spirit that raised Him from the dead, now lives in us. The Spirit of God is not confined to Israel. He's right here in Choctaw, Oklahoma. And how did this happen? How did you and I get access to the Spirit? Jesus left 2,000 years ago. What happened? Other Spirit-born sons and daughters took Him at His word, received the new birth and the ministry of the Spirit, Paul calls it, and it has been multiplied to come to you and me. And Jesus wasn't even here physically. So it must be a ministry of the Spirit that's being multiplied. I think that's a glimpse into the greater work. Let me show you this. John 12, 24. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies... It remains the only one. But if it dies, look, its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. I think this absolutely applies. What's the greater work? I think the multiplication of his life. And so, like begets like, he's sown into the ground, he dies to produce many spirit-born sons and daughters throughout the world, and the ministry is still continuing. I like to mention that Without Jesus going to the cross, without Jesus shedding His blood, the Spirit does not come to us. Because the Spirit is holy and it cannot dwell in an unholy container. But Hebrews 9 and 10 says, Jesus died to eradicate all of mankind's sin one time for all, so that whosoever would receive Him could receive the life of the Spirit. So the blood and the cross is necessary. It is the means to the end. The cross is not the end. It is the means to the end. And the end plan was to put the Spirit of God back inside of human beings so we would have not one Spirit-born Son, but many Spirit-born, Spirit-led, Spirit-empowered sons and daughters. Does that make sense to you? I love this passage because the Greeks had come. You can read it starting around John twelve twenty. The Greeks came to make him famous. They were going to set up universities all over the world. They were going to propagate his teachings because how many of you know he's a great teacher? He's causing quite a ruckus in Israel. They're like, we want to make him famous, but he never even met with them. And his response to, I believe, that he knew exactly what they were coming for. And he said, if anyone tries to save their life, they'll lose it. And he goes on to say this, I'm going to sow my life because I don't want to be known as the only Spirit-born child of God, Son of God the world's ever seen. He wanted his life, and the Father wanted his life multiplied. So back to John 14, 12, He who believes in me, the works that, that uh, I do, he will do also, and then greater works he will do. This is a promise for all believers There's no exclusion here. This isn't, you can't read this and say, well, he's really talking about, you know, elders at the church or paid ministry people or TV preachers. There's no exclusion. He says, he who believes in me will do the works and then take part in greater works than even he did physically. My goodness. John 6, 35. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will never thirst. Who's he talking to? All of us, yeah, those that believe. How about uh, John seven thirty eight? Whoever believes in me, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Who's that for? Yeah, whoever believes in him. There's no exclusion here. It's the same language, and he says, whoever believes in me will do what he did, And then even greater works. How about another one? John 11, 25. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. He's talking to whoever believes in him. So in other words, this is normal Christianity. (laughs) This is what believers do. But I'm going to show you the ministry of the new covenant. I'm going to show you what this greater work is. But before I get there, let me show you this one. Mark 16, 17. Jesus said, these signs will follow those who... Believe in my name, in my stead, they'll cast out demons, they'll speak with new tongues. When, when the demons, when the demons bow to the ministry of Jesus, who, who, who is executing the ministry and causing demons to be driven out? Who's causing it? The Spirit. Who's, whoever said that? Matthew 12, 28, Jesus said, if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God has come to you. So what is the key component for you and I to have if believing on Him, we're going to cast out demons? Who must we have? The Holy Spirit. That is the ministry of the new covenant. It's called the ministry of the Spirit. I'm going to show it to you. I believe that's insight into the greater work that we get to be a part of. So we're going to speak with new tongues. We're going to take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it'll by no means hurt us. Lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. We're not going to do any things, any of those things apart from him. Now, let's balance it. Look at John 6, 27. Jesus said, don't labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because the God the Father has set his seal upon him. Do you guys know when Jesus had, when the Father put his seal upon Jesus? It's in Matthew 3 and Luke 3. The person of the Holy Spirit is God setting his seal of approval. You are my beloved son and you I'm well pleased. He descends in the form of a dove. The heavens open and that's what he declares. He has set his seal upon him guess what ephesians 1 13 and 14 says that the same holy spirit has now sealed you Amen. you can read it go home this you'll have your own personal revival go home and read it the same seal that the father declared it's a seal of approval it's a seal of ownership it's a seal of i'm well pleased with you it's a seal of you're my son that came in the person of the holy spirit after Jesus comes up after, uh, out of the water baptism. Then Ephesians 1 says, you're sealed with the same Holy Spirit of promise. What does that mean? He has said, I approve of you. He said, you're my beloved daughter, Sylvia, in whom I'm well pleased. The same Spirit that was the seal of approval upon Jesus Christ is now where? It's in us. So you must be approved or He wouldn't be in there. You must be his beloved or he wouldn't be in there. And yet we say, look at me getting all wrapped up there. And yet we say, oh, that can't be. the Lord, if you watch me for a week, Lord, there's no way you'd approve of me. (laughs) That's a valid argument, but it's wrong because when he looks at you, he sees his approved son. He is in you. God is spirit and where is Christ? Is he in your spirit? Yes, he is. He's God is spirit. He's looking at your spirit and sees his well-pleasing son, absolutely approved. This is what's so great is that when we do do a big piece of stupid, we can repent and get up and keep going. We don't quit. We don't like. Well, I guess that was it, man. That was my one shot. We were never relying on you, buddy, ever. Not from day one. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> So when you blow it, get up, because he still sees his well-pleasing acceptance right there on the inside of you. It is a mystery, but the secret is Christ lives on the inside of you. And if we're going to work the works of God, then let's work them with our roommate. We're not doing it for him. We're partnering with him, John five nineteen, to only do what he asks us to do. I think he grows weary at times when we try to do stuff for him and ask him to bless what we're doing. Lord, I'm going to start this ministry. Would you bless it? Lord, I'm going to buy this property. Would you bless it? No, just do what he tells you to do. It's already blessed. Well, don't shout me down. I mean, I thought that was good. <laughs> so I'm sorry, I got a tangent there. <laughs> I'm like a little kid, man. I, I just uh, I just love his truth. I love how he loves this. It's remarkable what he's done. Angels long to look into what he has done on the inside of us. So he says, the Father has set his seal upon him. Verse 28, and then they said to him, what shall we do that we can work the works of God? Verse 29, he answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him. he sent believe in me do you see it john whoever believes in me all this is going to happen whoever believes in me all this is going to happen what's the works of god believe in him he does not need all your effort and ability to run out there and try to do something for him you cannot be like him without him great segue the man who was born blind in john chapter 9 He has an encounter with Jesus. Once Jesus leaves him, does the man who was born blind have the ability now to represent God, to look like God? Is he indwelt by the gift of righteousness or was he just physically healed? He was simply physically healed. What Jesus did for him was absolutely temporary. The guy will end up dying one day. True? Even though Jesus healed them, everybody Jesus healed, they, they passed away. But what happens when the ministry of the Spirit comes and now God lives in them and they live in God? That's eternal. That is a greater work. And the, the, the man born blind would have no ability. As Jesus walks away from him, he will have no ability to represent the righteousness of God in the earth. He cannot represent the character of God because only God can represent Himself and the way He does it is putting His Spirit on the inside. In the Old Testament, do you realize that the Spirit of God only came upon people for an assignment or a temporary time and then vacated? And even then, it didn't live within them. But in the New Covenant, the Spirit comes penetrates your spirit moves in to stay and now you can actually be transformed to represent god when people look at you they can see him the man born blind had no hope of that the man healed at the pool of bethesda had no hope of that so the ministry of the spirit moving inside to transform us is the greater ministry and the greater work. Now, let me say this. I call them proclamations of God's kingdom rule. We see it all throughout Scripture, the power of the Holy Spirit. How about the liberation of the gathering demoniac? 2,000 demons, 2,000 demons in one guy, and he encounters Jesus. And who won? Jesus. Jesus did. Every time that we see the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of God, we see darkness lose. This is a proclamation ...of God's kingdom rule. It was a no contest. Everywhere Jesus goes, we see the enemy uh, taking a beating. Jesus demonstrates by the power of the Holy Spirit... ...that God has more power than the devil. 1 John three 3.8... Uh, no, what's the other one? Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth... ...with the Holy Ghost and power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. What's the key ingredient to beat the devil? The Holy Spirit... And Jesus sowed Himself so that the Spirit could take up residence in you and the ministry could continue. You don't honor Jesus to say, He has everything and I have nothing. I'm just a pauper. No, you're not. If you want to honor Him, receive all that He came to share with you. You're a joint heir with Jesus. Everything He access with the Father, you have access to. And there's no pressure like, well, Steve, why don't I see demons cast out? How come when I prayed to that person, I didn't see them healed? The pressure is not on you. The pressure is on your roommate. <laughs> I don't have answers as to why some are healed and some are not, but it doesn't change what the Word says. And I'm sure it's on my end, not on His. But I don't beat myself up over it. I continue in faith to do the things He asked me to do. And I leave the results to him because it's not up to me. How about the resurrection of Lazarus? That was a proclamation of God's kingdom rule. The 70 disciples returned with joy. And Jesus said, I know, I saw the whole thing. I saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. So proclamations of kingdom rule. How about the parting of the Red Sea? Daniel in the lion's den. The uh, the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. One more showed up. And the only thing that got burned were the ropes that were holding them bondage. It's a proclamation of God's kingdom rule that he has more power than the devil. But Jesus didn't see the multiplication of sonship via the indwelling Holy Spirit until he left in Acts chapter 1 verse 10. When he left, that's when the multiplication is going to start taking place. Let me show you this one in Matthew... 11.11. Remember that you cannot initiate a new covenant without the shedding of blood. So Jesus is going to initiate the new covenant contract by shedding his blood. Now look what he says. Matthew 11.11. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there's none risen greater than John the Baptist. no greater prophet. Abraham, Moses, Elijah, anybody greater of the Old Testament prophets than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the new regime, the kingdom of heaven, is greater than he. And what was the gospel Jesus preached? The kingdom of heaven. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is here. So do you see this? Nobody in the Old Testament was born again. Whoever is least in the new kingdom is going to experience this greater work, the actual introduction of the Spirit of God, the life of God on the inside of a human being. And He will come to stay. For when He comes, He'll abide with you forever. John chapter 14, verse 16. The inner workings of God that allow you to represent God in the earth is part of that greater work. When Jesus is at the pool of Bethesda, He is a priest in the kingdom of God, and priests represent God there before the people. So he's representing him to the man at the pool of Bethesda, and he demonstrates through healing that God has more power than the devil. I would also say that God loves that man. Amen. But what if he were to turn that man into a priest just like him? That's what he's done with you. Because when he walked away from that man, he had no power and ability to go represent God to anybody. He wasn't indwelt by God, and God needs to represent himself, not us. So he makes you and I a priest. By dying on the cross for your sins, cleansing you so that the executive producer of the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit, can move on the inside of you. And now here are multiplied spirit-born sons and daughters. And I'm going to say it again. Just like he anointed the first body of Christ, he has anointed the second body of Christ to work the works of God. I'm not discounting or lessening, you know, healing, you pray for someone and the Lord opens their blind eyes physically. That's a great work. He said, "You would the things I did, you will do as well. But the greater work is when somebody's eyes are opened spiritually. And they don't die in their sin. Can I get a witness? If God heals somebody at the hospital today of cancer... They can still die and go to hell, die in their sin. Well, a lot of good that did them. I mean, I'm glad they were healed of cancer, but that's temporary. The ministry of the Spirit is eternal. What's a greater miracle is when that guy's eyes are opened and he receives the Spirit of the living God on the inside of him, starts having a conversation with him, and then begins to work the works of God with him. How many of you heard the song Amazing Grace? Right? How sweet the sound. And he said what? I once was... But now I... What, was he physically blind? No, he was spiritually blind. And that is the greater work that we get to see. Not discounting physical healing, but I'm telling you, the work of the Spirit and righteousness inside a human being that gives them a direct connection to God to experience the love of God, walk with Him, partner with Him, become like Him and represent Him. That is the greater work. And I'll show it to you right out of the Bible here in just a minute. I'm sorry, I get excited and get ahead of myself. <laughs> So in John 14, 12, Jesus is releasing his disciples to the ministry of the new birth and the new creation, man. Did anybody get filled with the Spirit of God in the book of Acts? There's, your, there's greater works happening. Was there physical healing in the book of Acts? Yes, but the greater work is the Spirit of God moved inside of human beings, transforming them to look like him. How many times have we said that the fruit of the Spirit, the character of God in you, is more important than the gifts and, and so many people get led astray because, you know, on Christian television and the televangelists and all that, what's, what's elevated? The, the, the gifts are elevated. Where do we need to be firm and secure? In the fruit of the Spirit. That's why it's a greater work. The central miracle of Jesus Christ is His character. 33 years on this planet, He never sinned. That's the greatest miracle, is that He housed the very character and nature and holiness of God. You're capable of living a holy life because the Holy One is now in you and that's the greater work of the new covenant. That a human being not just healed physically but transformed on the inside called the ministry of righteousness now. That when Kinda's children see her, they can see the righteousness of God. She's capable of that now because the righteous one is in her. What would it benefit her if she were healed of a physical ailment, but could not represent the Lord to her children? Are you seeing it yet? All right, let me show it to you. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse five through eighteen. Man, I better get cracking. <laughs> second corinthians 3 everybody good everybody awake all right verse 5 it is this is paul writing it is not that we think we're qualified to do anything on our own have we covered that with all the scriptures i gave you our qualification comes from god he's the power at work in us he has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant the new king james says he, he's made you sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. This is a covenant not written uh, in laws, but of the Spirit. The old covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. Zoe life, the life of God. The Spirit is now giving the life of God to human beings. Not just healing them outwardly, and then eventually they die, penetrating them inwardly and transforming them to look like Him. To love like Him. To minister like Him. You say, well, Brother Steve, if we're we're supposed to be ministers of the New Covenant, if we're qualified ministers of the New Covenant, what's the difference? Here's how you can know. Are you laying up heavy loads on everybody and giving, telling them to live by what you demand, or are you teaching them about the supply of Christ that they can have if they'll turn to Him? The ministry of the Old Covenant is, hey, forgive or else. Hey, you better get out of that lifestyle or else. Turn or burn, man. Are you laying up demands on people, or are you teaching them about Christ's supply? Do you realize they can't even change? They can't leave the lifestyle unless the Holy One is in them. They're not incapable of holiness without Him. So they have to come as they are. You can't put ultimatums on them. They've got to come as they are, receive the life and sanctifying work of Christ, and then He goes to work on their lifestyle. Come on, somebody. He goes to work. He's the power of God. That's how you can know if I'm a minister of the Old Covenant or the New. Are you just laying up heavy loads on people like the Pharisees, Jesus said, and you don't lift a finger to help? Or are you teaching them about Christ's supply? And where, John 7, 38, where is that supply? In here if they receive him. Whoever believes on me out of his belly, his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. There is a river of access, a fountain of life on the inside of you. You don't lack for anything. The Christian life is not you trying to attain, obtain things that you lack. The Christian life is living out of his supply. And the more and more you begin to know that, that you're living by his supply, the more you can introduce that reality to other people. Get them out of religion where they're performing and trying to obtain stuff from God. Live good enough where God will give them something. Recognize they're dead in their trespasses. And that if I'll receive him, if I'll humble myself, I can have all that is his as mine. Verse 7, the old way with laws etched in stone led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, for his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new covenant now that the Holy Spirit is giving life to human beings? If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way? which makes us right with God. More important for the man at the pool of Bethesda to be healed physically or to be made right with God on the inside. Number two. It is the greater work. Verse 10, In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all, compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way established in Christ. So if the old way which has been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new, which is what? Eternal. It remains forever. Your connection with the Lord is forever. A physical healing is temporary. Verse 12, Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be bold... We're not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel wouldn't see the glory even though that glory of the old was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened and to this day when the old covenant is read the same veil covers their minds so they can't understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. That's why I don't mind if you read the Old Testament just make sure you're reading it through the lens of Jesus Christ as a new covenant creation. Does that make sense? Verse 15. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is lording, there is freedom. So all of us who've had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Oh my goodness. There's your new covenant ministry. There's your greater work. All of us who've had the veil removed can see and now actually reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we're changed into His glorious image. Look at 2 Corinthians 3, 8 and 9. This is amplified classic. Why should not the dispensation of the Spirit, the spiritual ministry whose task it is to cause men to obtain... And be governed by the Holy Spirit. That is the work of the new covenant contract right there. That man can receive and then what? Be governed. Be internally led by the Holy Spirit. Shouldn't it be attended with much greater and more splendid glory? Verse 9. For if the ministry that condemns, the ministration of doom, talking about the old covenant, had glory, how infinitely more abounding in splendor and glory must be the service that makes righteous. The ministry that produces and fosters righteous living and right standing with God. There's your greater work right there. The ministry that produces and fosters righteous living and right standing with God. Doesn't do anyone any good to be physically healed and die in their sin and never know God. Anyway, pretty powerful. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just catching my breath. <laughs> All right, last thing. Gavin, you guys can come. In John 15:8, Jesus said, "By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so you'll be my disciples." John 15:16. Pay attention now. It's good. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name he may give you. How do we bear fruit? What's the key? Do we work hard at it? We try super hard? We abide. We live connected to him. You do not cause the connection. You simply live in the reality of the connection Christ has gotten you. Okay? So if you want to write these down, I think this is super good. It's John 15. I think Don Wheeler and I, uh, spoke of these many years ago, but it's so still true to this day. Five levels of fruit, productivity, or maturity we see in John 15. Number one is no fruit. No fruit. What this means is you can't feed yourself. Others have to feed you. You're spiritually immature. You're a babe in Christ. And uh, it's okay to be a babe in Christ. Just don't stay a babe in Christ. Amen? you got to learn to self-feed at some point. I've never planned for any of my messages to be the only time that you eat during the week. I have never, ever tried to make you dependent on me as your only source to feed. You have a vine on the inside of you, the vine that I speak of. So all my messages are directed at you living connected to Him, being sourced by Him and fed by Him all week long. Amen? But it's okay to be a babe in Christ. Just don't stay there. You know, when you... You don't, you don't get angry at your newborn baby because you have to feed it. But if it's 45, and you're still going, here comes a choo come on, buddy... We have major problems. (laughs) Number two is fruit. So number one is there's no fruit. It's okay. That's where we start. Just don't stay there. Number two is fruit. You can feed yourself, but you really can't help anybody else. But at least you can hold your own bottle. Amen. So that, that part's good. Number three, more fruit. We see in John 15, more fruit. This is enough fruit to actually feed some others. Where they can taste and see that the Lord is good. That Gretchen abides in the vine to the degree that Brian, her spouse, that her children can taste and see that the Lord is good and he's present in Gretchen's life, present in our home. Does that make sense? Maybe a, a classmate or an office uh, worker is able to start to see more fruit in you and you're actually able to help somebody else and get them connected to the vine maybe you volunteer in kids of grace or students of grace others are able you're able to help feed them if the devil can't keep you from being born again he will he will work hard to keep you from ever abiding so you don't you don't produce any fruit because this is the greater work That the Spirit of God is in you and people can encounter you and taste and see Him. Amen. But remember all the scriptures I gave you at the beginning. Don't let it go to your head. (laughs) What do you have you didn't receive? All that good stuff they're tasting is Him. He's the treasure in the earthen vessel. Amen. Number four is much fruit. John fifteen eight. By this, Jesus said, my Father is glorified. There's so much fruit now coming out of your life, it actually begins intertwining with other fruit-bearing people. And together, a little garden starts forming, a little vineyard starts forming with you and a few other people, and now others are being fed through that garden. Maybe a smaller group of people. And guess what? In that, the Father is getting glorified. It's like this. Two or three of you catch fire for Jesus on your job, and all of a sudden, the work climate is different. There's, there's much fruit in you, and much fruit, let's say, in John, and then much fruit in Jim at your office complex, and now the culture starts changing. God starts getting glorified. People start paying attention to what God is doing. This is the greater work because He's being seen there. When the man at Bethesda was healed, he didn't, go, he didn't go to work and affect the climate. He didn't have the Spirit of God on the inside of him. Okay. And then the last one. Number five, fruit that remains. John 15, 16. This is one of the reasons Jesus chose you. Right? You didn't choose, choose me. I chose you. That you would bear much fruit and your fruit would remain. This is where there's so many fruit-bearing people There's so many fruit-bearing families that love the Lord around town. There's so many, listen, fruit-bearing churches in our town that a large garden, a vineyard, is being cultivated in that area. It's affecting the climate of the town, affecting the schools, affecting the businesses, and it's helping feed generation after generation after generation who enter that town now are getting connected to the vine. Does that make sense to you? It's a great, great work. And it comes through fruit that remains. It lasts there a long, long time so that generation after generation fall in love with Jesus. Will you stand with me? Amen. Amen. Well, let's just pray together (laughs) this morning. Father, we open our hearts to you. We thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit, this greater work. You called us ministers of the new covenant. We are sufficient ministers of the Spirit. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit that's giving life now to people and working righteousness within them. So as we partner with you, We can see others get connected to the vine. We can see others begin to bear fruit after your kind, that their character is transformed. Because after all, the fruit of the Spirit is greater than the gifts of the Spirit, certainly in priority and order for sure. And so, Father, we thank you for the ministry of righteousness that makes us righteous, but then continues that work of righteousness in and through us till the day we go home. But until then, Father, just use us. May we partner with Jesus Christ, our roommate, to work the works of God that you would be glorified. We love you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Come on. Everybody sit. Amen. Amen. Let's give him praise. Guys, if you need prayer or you have questions, stick around. We will meet with you. Otherwise, let's go live the Christ life. Have a great day, everybody. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.